very pleasant uh, Sabbath to all of you. I trust uh, that uh, everyone is healthy and of sound mind. It's been a tremendous blessing to get this rain, brethren. Uh, I did alter my sermon somewhat because of that. Uh, I have a number of uh, contacts, <coughs> excuse me, number of contacts, family uh, members and uh, brethren who I still am in contact with who are in some of the other uh, organizations that came out of uh, uh, God's church. And I still talk with them. Uh, I have relatives uh, who were part of the church in the earlier years. Uh, I made sure that they all got on the plain truth list because I, I ordered it for them. And I have uh, several who uh, did come into the church. This uh, evening, I want to talk about uh, uh, our, our being the light of this, to this world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He was the light of the world when he came. He says that. We'll look at that uh, 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 and see that... Uh, as long as he was in the world, he says he was the light of the world. Let's go to John 9 uh, and verse 5 to see that. He says as long as he's, he was in the world, uh, he was the light of the world. But he has given us that responsibility now. John 9 and uh, verse 5. It's it's amazing. Uh how much God's word talks about the fact that we are salt and light. We are to be salt and light in the world. Uh, chapter 9 of John, uh, verse 4. Jesus uh, said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. When the night comes, no man is able to work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, he did uh, the first half of his ministry, his three and a half years of ministry, and we know he was crucified, and he will finish the balance of his ministry when he comes back and sets up the kingdom. But uh, we see here, as long as he was in the, in the world, he was the light of, light of the world. But he has given that charge and responsibility now uh, to us. We see that in the fifth chapter of Matthew, where we're starting uh, this evening. Matthew 5, 14. Uh, we are salt of the earth, uh, Jesus says here. He, it's interesting when we read this passage, and we made see later on why uh, it is reported that in verse 1, seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, he got away from the crowds, as we know, he initially attracted uh, large numbers of people because his ministry was different from... Uh, uh, what they had been used to, it was uh, different from uh, John the Baptist. And God was beginning this era of the work through him. So he had to get away from the multitudes to teach his disciples this message that we're going to learn here, here today. He uh, says down here in... Uh, uh, the uh, verse 6 of chapter 5 here in Matthew. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall find mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall t be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for s the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are you 
when they shall reproach you and shall persecute you and shall falsely say uh, every wicked thing against you for my sake. Rejoice and be filled with joy, for great is your reward in heaven, for this in this same manner they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its, uh, its saltiness, its tasteless, it, it becomes tasteless, and what then will it be salted? And verse 14, he gives us an extremely important concept that uh, I, I want to talk about in detail uh, uh, this evening. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, if it has lost its saltness, for it is no longer any strength, but it is to be thrown out and to be trampled under men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a mountain cannot be hid. We are coming, we are beginning to see the importance of our light and the light we are going to be to the world in our calling. Neither do you light, verse 15, a lamp and put it under a bushel. But on the lampstand, and it shines for all who are in the house. In the same way, also, you are to let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we have, since Christ has finished his work, he was the light of the world, while he was here, since he has finished his work, and he has called us, the church, and he's left us with the responsibility now of being salt and light to the world. And he goes on to teach us what that looks like in, in action. Now, uh, in uh, John nine verse five we'll go over there and look uh also where this is uh is uh covered uh john nine i believe it is uh, let me see here if i can see john nine five as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So he came and spent his three and a half years doing his portion of the ministry. He was crucified and he will finish the other three and a half years of his ministry when he comes. But he has left us now as the church, as his body, to be salt and light. To the world. We are to let our light shine. That's one of the things that uh, we have constantly uh, pointed out. It's interesting to me how uh, with the troubles and the problems that we are having in the world and with all of the degeneration uh, of uh, uh, worship and the changes and the persecution that is coming and the blindness. It's difficult anymore to talk to people and uh, discuss uh, biblical things with them. They're so hostile. And uh, the tendency is to withdraw from men and protect ourselves and uh, turn our light uh, light. Our bright, the brightness of our light down. I run into a lot of problems yet, uh, even as an old timer, uh, talking to people about God's way and God's word. They're just not interested in it. But we have to be salt and light. We can't uh, put our uh, light, hide our light under a bushel, as it says. God has called us to be salt and light and so much more as we see the day approaching. 
That's in Hebrews 10:25. So much more as we see the day approaching. I have gotten into problems this past year uh, trying to talk to people about preparing themselves for the crisis that is coming. Food crisis, all kinds of uh, crises because of uh, the coronavirus uh, and the downturn in the, in the world's economies and all of this. And most people I talk to, those who are not in the church and those in the church, they, they don't want to be troubled with the reality of what is happening and how it's going to get worse. But we as the church and especially as the elders and leaders have a charge and responsibility from Almighty God that we're to warn his people and warn the world from him. And uh, to be the lights and the leaders. I remember the first sermon I gave uh, after uh, being ordained an elder in the church. And uh, uh, I was uh, serving in the South, in Mississippi and Alabama. I worked a five-state area for about four or five years. And uh, uh, many of you old-timers remember, uh, we were blessed with new automobiles every year. And I remember my first, the first new car I think I'd ever driven, <laughs> let alone uh, uh, kept and used, was a Fury, uh, uh, I think it was called a Fury 3. It was a Chrysler product, uh, Plymouth Fury 3. Nice black car. It was the first car I had owned, in a sense, because uh, we did have to pay a portion of it. They were not free. We had to pay a portion of it. And I took good care of that car because that was the first new car I'd ever had as a possession. And uh, as many of you who, who are familiar with the situation in the South, this was 1967. I'm a 67 graduate of the college, and I uh, worked uh, five states uh, uh, out of uh, Mobile, Alabama. So many times I was stopped uh, in the uh, uh, traveling to visit the brethren and this kind of thing. And I remember I passed a Fury One <laughs> and unmarked car turned out to be the revenue agents. <laughs> and these are people who who uh, catch bootleggers. Mississippi uh, was a dry state at that time. You, you could not, uh, you could buy alcohol, but it was illegal. And uh, blacks who were driving new cars were either preachers or uh, they drove uh, hearses. <laughs> so if you had a hearse uh, with a casket in it, uh, you didn't have to open the casket for the revenue agent. <laughs> so uh, I was stopped on uh, one occasion, and uh, I passed this Fury 1, and it was an olive drab, common-looking car. And uh, he, he was, the speed limit was about 55 at that time in Mississippi, and uh, he was doing about 50, so I passed him. And he turned his siren on, and they, two of them got out and drew their weapons and came up and, and uh, searched my car and wanted to know why I was out there driving this, this fast with this, uh, this fast car. They opened the trunk of, had me open the trunk of my car, and all I had in there was my attache case and a box of... Uh, uh, booklets and articles from the work. And he said, oh, he got nothing. He's another reverend. <laughs> so my light was shining. And uh, I uh, uh, did not get a ticket. But they just warned me, uh, we're going to follow you on into this next town here. And you better not do five mile over the speed limit. So we are to be salt and light. 
and God uh, has set us to do that. On a number of occasions, I was blessed in that way because uh, I was keeping the law and pleasant to talk to and courteous and respectful of authority. So we have been given that charge, brethren, to be salt and light. And one of the problems we're having now with the church is we we find that uh, many are uh, neglecting to assemble. We need to be seen keeping God's commandments and living God's way. So my charge uh, to us all and the, what I want to emphasize in the message this evening is we have been called to be salt and light and we are to let our light shine. I remember the first message I gave at uh, one of the uh, services uh, after I was uh, sent to the south to serve. I remembered a story of uh, a shipman who's uh, uh, saved his uh, crew, mem crew members uh, on uh, this passenger ship. I think this was uh, between the, the two wars, uh, 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 and this was an English uh, vessel. I believe it was, uh, and the uh, boiler blew up on this uh, uh, vessel, but they were able to get all of the uh, people on the ship into uh, life uh, rafts and get them off the ship before it sank. And back in those days, uh, the rafts were just uh, uh, open rafts with uh, a limited number of provisions on the rafts and this kind of thing. And uh, this raft that uh, uh, they, the rescue finally came and they searched the ocean and made wide searches and had airplanes out there and looked. And they found all of the... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Seaman? Yes, they found all of the uh, sailors and their life rafts except one. And they searched for several days and they finally gave up the search after about a week and assumed that that raft had uh, capsized or been lost. But the officer, uh, as those of you who have been on, uh, on cruises know that uh, if there's an emergency or something like that, they will put uh, an officer on the life raft to uh, uh, be the knowledgeable person to help people survive. So uh, after about five days, this officer... Uh, began to lose hope and and lose faith that they would be rescued. He night was uh, was come, fall, light night has fall, had fallen and the weather had changed and the sea was getting rough. They had run out of food and water. They were cold and wet because the waves were coming over the ship and they were had lost hope and as he stood there in the uh, life raft he served surveyed his situation and began to lose hope he looked around and saw that all he had was the little first aid kit and one match left uh, in the matches that uh, would uh, strike while wet. 
and in his desperation and his feeling that all was futile he struck that last match he watched it until it burned down to where he couldn't hold it any longer dropped it into the wet floor of the raft and consigned himself to the fate that they would not be rescued but there was a commercial uh, vessel about a half mile or so from where they were and the observer on that commercial ship thought he saw a light to his left being a trained observer he looked that direction again and made sure he knew about where it was on the horizon he thought he saw a light and he had the uh, officer who worked the spotlight to shine the light in that direction and in just a few minutes they picked up that orange life raft uh, riding on the top of the waves and were able to dispatch uh, a vessel over and rescue those people on that raft so my uh, question to us this evening how bright is your light is it shining bright enough that you can be seen and rescued and will your light burn long enough to ensure that you will be rescued we uh, have come into some serious times here in, in the whole world and the tendency is to want to hide and not be the lights that we're called to be to this world but God has called us to be lights and to let our light shine it's uh, very difficult anymore to, uh, to witness to people I've I've experienced that and I've gone back to doing what as I talk to people who are not church members and in some cases even with our church members I've gone back to what Jesus did he spoke in parables uh, it's it's interesting when you uh, see how his approach in his ministry he spoke plainly to his disciples we saw we just saw the passage there that uh, uh, he he left the multitudes and went up and talked straight talk to his uh, disciples but he always spoke in parables to the multitudes and I learned that early in my ministry as a black man in the south you just couldn't come up and confront white people you had to speak to them in parables <laughs> and uh, the truth would hit them on the way home from church <laughs> so God uh, has called us to be salt and light and to let our light shine Hebrews 10 25 let's let's go there Hebrews 10 25 Hebrews 10 verse 25 we're to not we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together even as some are accustomed to do but rather encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near uh, 
our churches are getting smaller and smaller. It's uh, difficult. Uh, we have elderly members who used to be able to get to church and to uh, be helped uh, enthusiastically by family members and this kind of things, but the times have gotten hard. So it's difficult for a lot of the elderly to get to church anymore. But uh, right of the Hebrews here, Paul tells us, uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as the custom of some do. And so much more as we see the, the, the day drawing near. For if we willingly go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of inevitable judgment and fierce fire which will devour the adversaries of God. So it's a fearful thing, verse 31, fall into the hands of the living God. How do we uh, correct these things happening? Some of us gotten old and tired and, uh, and uh, we don't see that well. We can't drive fast like we used to. We have to use our GPS to tell us when to turn because we can't see and read the signs. So it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But we're told here in verse 32, but remember the early days when after you were enlightened, you endured much conflict in your sufferings. On the one part, you were made a public spectacle by, by, by both insults and, and severe trials. And on the other part, you became companions of those who were enduring the same things. I remember uh, my first years in the church, uh, I was in New York and I lived in New York at that time, and we would go down and get into it with the street preachers. And uh, I enjoyed that. I was single at that time, so if I got martyred, uh, it didn't matter with me. Hey, I didn't have a family at that time. I'd go down there and pick on these uh, street preachers, and several of us, we, we were in the spokesman club, so we knew how to talk, and we we knew about the Sabbath and holy days, and they, were, they weren't talking about that stuff. They were just... Uh, preaching that Christ is is coming and you'd be better be ready, <laughs> and we we'd interrupt them. Uh, I remember one time we were uh, we uh, several of us uh, uh, were uh, in an area, and uh, one of the street preacher, preachers stopped and started preaching to us. And he realized this this group of guys are, are different. He said, you all are Christians, aren't you? And one of the gentlemen said, we were until uh, just a few minutes ago. <laughs> so it's a fearful thing to f fall into the hands of the living God. So uh, we... Uh, should remember the early days when he when we had that zeal of first love, and we weren't afraid that afraid to uh, uh, teach and speak the gospel and and confront people with it. I I remember uh, my my youngest brother. I had my older brother. His wife came in the church. My sister came in the church. And my youngest brother, he, he just could not get it. I couldn't understand why he couldn't get it. I, the gospel seemed so clear to me when God opened my mind. I remember sitting down with him and talking to him. And I said, read what it says. Okay, now tell me what that means. And he, he couldn't do it. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't understand that. But if God has not opened a person's mind, 
and uh, uh, giving him, giving him the understanding through opening his mind, he, he they just can't get it. So God has been merciful to to us and opened our minds, and we are to be salt and light to the world. We we're not to hide. It's getting difficult out here now to be a Christian and to serve God and love God. I was a truck driver for a lot of years. And I, I would give these guys a hard time. They'd come in on the weekends. We'd get back Friday. And they've been working all week. And they sit out there and drink and smoke. And uh, they they get so drunk uh, they 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 couldn't drive to the liquor store and get liquor, so they'd send me. <laughs> I said, "Well, I can't do this. I'm helping you guys break the law and break God's law." <laughs> so uh, it's it's an amazing thing to uh, have to live godly and be salt and light to the world. And I did gain a great deal of respect because I told the line and didn't go to the same excess of riot as they do. They did. <clears throat> Verse 34 here in Hebrews 10. For you not only showed compassion to me in my bonds, but also gladly endured the plunder of your possessions, knowing within yourselves that you have a greater and more enduring possession in the heavens for this reason do not cast away your confidence which is bringing a great reward we're going to be rewarded greatly for being salt and light verse 37 tells us for it is but a short time until he who he who is coming will come and not delay we lost uh, several brethren uh, that I know, uh, two, uh, two deacons and an elder, I think. So time is short for a lot of us. Verse 38 tells us, Now it is written, the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul does not delight in him. But we are not of those who draw back unto destruction. Rather, we are of faith unto the saving of the soul. <clears throat> I talked to an elder in one of the uh, dissonant groups here recently. And uh, I was telling him about this sermon I was going to give. He said, uh, why are you, you going to be giving a sermon like that? Uh that's all the church did in the past was talk about all the bad things that are coming and are going to happen and all of that. I said, we have a charge to give meat in due season. Most of us have never lived in times as badly as they are right now. So we have to give meat in due season. We have to let our light shine. We have to set examples. That's our charge and responsibility. We are the watchmen on the wall. We have a charge to warn God's people from him. We can't go hide somewhere and hope it doesn't come our way and keep quiet and not uh, preach the truth. We must not only preach the truth, but we must live it and let our light shine. So much more as we see the day approaching. Uh, verse 25 says there. Second Timothy 4.2. Let's go there and see. We're near there. Second Timothy 4.2. Preach the word, be urgent, in season, and out of season. Convict. I mean, you got to, we've got to make sure you understand 
what we're talking about and what the word says we should be thinking and doing and believing. Rebuke. Uh, getting to where you can't get away with that rebuking. Uh, I remember Ted Armstrong uh, uh, and I think Rod Meredith was somewhere and they, they were rebuking this old guy. And uh, he, started be he started beating up on them. They were young bucks back then. Uh, Rod Meredith was, a, I think, a Golden Gloves boxer at one time. So he held him while uh, Ted Armstrong got the car up there close enough where they could push him away and get in it and get away, get away from him. But uh, you, you have to be con uh, very uh, knowledgeable now of who, who you're rebuking and uh, encourage with all patience and doctrine. I've had several men and women uh, over the years who told me as I was uh, helping them and correcting them, look, you've said enough. Uh, get your hat. You can go now. <laughs> Verse 3, 2 uh, uh, Timothy uh, 4 here. For there shall come a time when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own lust they shall accumulate to themselves a great number of teachers having itching ears to hear what satisfies their cravings. I uh, talked to one uh, elder, uh, long-time elder in the church. He said, uh, I said, well, why, are you, why did you leave, uh, give up Sabbath and Holy Days and so forth? He says, hey, if I can find an easier way uh, to make it into the kingdom, I'm going to take it. And that's what I did. So there shall come a time when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own lust, they shall accumulate to themselves a great number of teachers having itching ears to hear what satisfies their cravings. They shall turn away their own ears from the truth and they shall be turned aside unto myths. But as for you, be vigilant in all things. Endure hardships. That's rough, enduring these hardships. Uh, many of us have lost jobs because of the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath and holy days. Do the work of an evangelist. Evangelizing is preaching. Fully carry out your ministry. Paul says, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I feel that sometimes, well, often. Uh, Paul went through a lot. He's left for dead there seemingly three times. I, I, I finally somewhat understand why he had so much faith. I mean, first time he's beaten to death and God healed him. Hey, uh, I can take more chances now. God save me. I, he says, I've fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. From this time forward, a crown of righteousness is laid up for me. We have to keep that hope alive. That uh, there's a crown of righteousness that's laid up. Uh, uh, the Lord will give to me in that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. So, uh, we are Christ uh, asks the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The implication is there will be very little faith on the earth. We see that a lot of Christians will be martyred. But uh, their lights will be shining as they traditionally have, as we have seen from the uh, hist history of the churches and what happened with the seven churches in Revelation. 
it's very interesting to me uh, uh, the same problems that they those seven churches had we have today uh, I personally feel we were Philadelphians when I came into the church in 1965 we were we were on fire we we the times in the country were terrible but man we were out there getting it done and uh, I remember my first feast the guy I was sharing the room with he 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 said he was ready to be martyred. I I just gotten out of the military. I'm thinking, uh, I don't know about this church. I I just came out of the military. I'm not ready to die. <laughs> ready for die ready to die for anything. But he was serious. He was ready to be martyred. And I said, well, I've got to come to that point. I I did everything I could to keep from getting hurt, let alone killed, while I was in the military. So here we are, brethren, uh, uh, at this particular juncture, uh, we uh, are entering the worst of the uh, winter season, and uh, we have seemingly enough rain now to uh, give us a little reprieve from the worry of not having enough water and crops and this kind of thing. Uh, things are looking a little bit up if we don't get into a war. Are we going to let our lights shine? Are we going to uh, straighten up our bent over backs and uh, and stand tall and come out of hiding and begin to glorify God and be salt and light in this world. Because if the salt has lost its saltness, if we've lost the ability to uh, be sufficiently worthy that God will hold back uh, a continuation of the problems that the whole world is seeing. For the elect's sake, uh, tribulation is going to be uh, uh, shortened and limited. Are we going to be a part of that group who are faithful, uh, ready to be at the wedding feast, it's interesting, uh, those three parables that deal with the uh, wedding. Five, uh, ten virgins. I mean, they are qualifying. But because they had to wait, they were not as prepared as they should have been and thought they were. And missed the wedding. Are we, uh, this is a parable, are we uh, in a situation like that? We are just uh, coasting along and uh, running out of the power of the Spirit to sustain us through the, this crisis and the next crisis and so forth. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the Lord. We've been set as the watchman to warn God's people from him. Uh, are we doing that? Are we letting our light shine? Uh are we letting Christ be seen in us? Are we studying and praying? Are we, are we standing in faith? Are we standing in faith? Are, 
we willing to suffer persecution? Are we uh, continuing to be filled with his Holy Spirit so that when the real difficult times do come, we can stand? Will our light be bright enough uh, to be seen and we can be rescued? Will it be bright enough that those who are following us uh, will feel confident and safe to continue doing what we do? We've been given a tremendous charge and responsibility as, as the first fruits of God's creatures, those he's calling to be uh, part of the uh, foundational uh, uh, kingdom of God. I, I, I shudder when I think about we are called as first fruits. We've been we've been considered uh, valuable enough to God that he has called us at this time. We, we are like the special forces of the military. Uh, perhaps most of you have seen the rigorous training that those special forces, those special teams in the military, the the CBs and uh, those who who have to go through all of that vigorous training to be the uh, frontliners who 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 charge into the warfare and all of that first. We have been called for those types of uh, responsibilities because uh, during the millennium they won't they will only have the flesh uh, we have to overcome our fallen nature the flesh and the devil so we're 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 qualifying under a higher standard so more is expected of us brethren uh are we we going to wash out are we going to fail i looked at some of those programs that the military people have to go through and and uh i understand most of them wash out most of them can't endure but we must endure to the end uh, keeping God's law, going through the persecution and letting our light shine, being sons of God and trusting in him. And we can't let our fire go out. I have a verse here that shows, uh, if I can't find it here, that uh, we... If not careful, our fire will go out. And once we lose the spirit of God, uh, God is under no obligation to revive us. So we must keep our lights burning and oil in our lamps, the Holy Spirit empowering us, uh, strengthen our feeble knees, lift up, our heads and finish this work and this calling that God has given us. We uh, know that the tribulation and all of that is going to be limited. Those days are going to be limited because of us if we are in that group. That has to go through it. Christ set us and left us a supreme example of how to do it. He studied, he prayed, he trusted God, 
he lived a perfect life. 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us all will suffer persecution. That's part, of, that's part of the plan. That's part of the testing. We all will suffer persecution. Paul says, follow me as uh, I follow Christ. Let's look at that in 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul and all of those with him set uh, a fantastic uh, uh, example for us. Let's see, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Paul says, here, here, here's, here's the summation of it. Be imitators of me exactly as I also am of Christ. He spent three years or more in personal training and teaching. Uh, we have not been blessed with that kind of uh, personal training. What we have, Paul's books, so we understand why he was so steadfast and so sure of what he was doing. He says, be imitators of me exactly as I also am of Christ. He, he was fearless. Uh, he, he felt like giving up. But for the sake of the church and the example that he could be to and for us, God used him powerfully to write all these books. He wrote most of the books of the New Testament so that we, we can know just what is required of us and how zealous we're supposed to be and how filled with God's spirit we must be. So we're to follow him. Uh, as he followed Christ. We have been called to finish the work uh, that God has given the church to do. And God will strengthen us and guide us and empower us to do it. So I trust this has been helpful, brethren that we can see that God is still with us. We are watchmen on the wall and we are to warn God's people from him. I trust this will help us to see and in, in future sermons the specifics on how we do that and how to wisely do it. So I trust this has been helpful for you.